Happy Tuesday, Revival friends. <laughs> I'm Dave Butler. I'm Stephen Tager. This is the Revival Podcast. We're so happy you're here. We we tackle a tackle. It's probably not the right word. We well, violent. We take on a conference talk every single week, and we just kind of talk about. Listen, we think every six months we have a spiritual revival in our faith. I'm I'm kind of shooting for a rebrand of the name. Like General Conference is okay, but if we called it. Revival, you <laughs> know, you really spring re- revival, fall revival. Would you really rename it that? Oh, it'd be so awesome. Wouldn't that Damn. be fun? That's what it is. It's like a chance to like, hey, review again. Like, hey, what's it look like to be a person of faith? Why is living a life of faith thrilling and not dumb you know like i feel like there's a lot of voices out there that want to say living a life of faith is dumb right you know and it's like no actually it's not it's actually i try it and it's really like soul satisfying to me and addicting in some ways and just (laughs) anyways so we're talking about those kind of things that make it such right what are the the timeless and timely truths that we're taught and by now we've forgotten all of them because it's summertime and and it's cool to come back once a week and, and review them. So this is the Revival Podcast. We are so happy that you're here. Welcome. Yeah, today, I, let's just say the talk we're doing because it's Elder Renlund's. And I legit, I listened to it again at the gym this morning, kind of getting ready for, for this. And I was, uh, and yes, I listened to General Conference sometimes <laughs> at the gym. <laughs> not always, not always. If it's on 1.75 speed, it's fine, you know? But... And, okay, never mind. I won't go into that. But um, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? I was going to say, if General Conference could be at 1.75 speed, it would be so much better. (laughs) (laughs) It's just too long for me a little bit. It's too much at once. But one a week week is fine. One a week is great. But um, I was listening to it, and I seriously was like just trying to think of like, okay, what would I pull out of this as like, what's the heart and soul of this talk? And I was like, oh, there's nine of them nine heart and souls like this is a cow oh wait, they have four stomachs not four hearts never mind whatever <laughs> but like it is like so good it's if i run. were in charge of elders quorum and relief society i would say like oh you might be tempted to spend two or three weeks talking about some of the things in this talk i don't know you can decide maybe only two but um it it really it really is like and um you know speaking He's not the most dynamic speaker in all the world, but like, whoo, it is some, it's like really, really good. It's powerful. It's, it's so powerful. And that's like actually what it's about, right? Is that is that the name of the talk? Accessing God's power through covenant? That's the name of it. Okay. This is something unique to Latter-day Saints. You know, if you want to say, what is it that you have to offer the world? Uniquely you, what's your unique gift? Why are we sending out missionaries, right? Because there are a lot of really powerful ways to live in this world. So why why restored Christianity? And I think one of our hallmarks and one of the reasons I'm like, oh man, this is the faith tradition I want to belong in is this, um, this covenant relationship, right? Entering into the new and everlasting covenant with, with God and and uh, what that means as a relationship, but also what it means is like to kind of, I, I, don't, I don't want to say co-create, but like he invites us into his holy purposes. And part of that is us changing and becoming something. But another part of that is you actually get to become 
someone powerful and influential in this in this world, you know? And um, that's a that's a trigger word, maybe, to become, you know, powerful. It's like, ah, you know, um, but that influential kind of thing. And I think to myself about the kind of people that can move and shake, you know, who can actually, like, get me up and going and... And who cannot, you know, <laughs> frankly, like I was thinking this morning about like, you know, sometimes like there's like an actor or an actress, God bless them, God loves them, but they get on social media or somewhere and they start talking about a cause and they're just so, and I'm just like, bro, you pretend for a profession. Like that's like, what, how are you qualified to try and tell me what to think? And like, and, and the fact that they have, millions of dollars and millions of followers actually doesn't impact me. Like I just said, you have, you have actually, you're having no sway on my heart, no sway on my future, okay. no sway on my feelings. I think it's because I, I don't like, I want to say, I want to, you know what? And, and not like what all if it's the, a good cause. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. If it's a good cause, you know, maybe so, you know, but also like the person that it's coming from, right. You know, it's like, do I trust where that is actually coming from? And are they relying on just like their popularity or their or their wealth, you know, to be influential or right. Yeah. When we when we talk about power in a religious sense, we don't mean control or dominion or compulsion. In fact, Joseph taught yeah, you're quoting section, it. Yeah. I know. I was like, I just I just borrowed that from section one twenty one. And and if someone were to say, prove to me that Joseph missed a prophet one of the things, no question, would be section 121. Because he says, the second you try to have control or dominion or compulsion, you actually lose your influence. You lose your authority in this world. He's talking specifically about priesthood. And then at the end of that revelation, he says, when you do things right, you'll have a dominion that will flow into you uh, just naturally, mm. without compulsory means, right? Forever and ever. And those, those are the kinds of humans that uh, have the most power and most influence in this world, or it's their very nature invites us to listen and respect and honor them. Okay, so their very nature, is that how you would define dominion then? Because you're like, that it will flow naturally to them. So what, what other word would you use? Yeah, I, I think it would be um, like the respect and honor mm. and that I naturally invite because of the way I act. So often we're like, oh, see me, uh, you know, listen to my opinions and and treat me better. And in the back of my mind, I want to say, you know, as a child of God, you deserve a, a certain baseline respect no matter what. Yeah. Even if we have to be tough with you. But if you want the deepest kind of trust and love, then uh, you you got to act in a way that deserves that. Mm. I, I'm thinking. That earns it. You know? Yeah, I'm thinking of actually two. And, and I think our question is. You know how? So how might I do that? How do I kind of become a person? That kind of person. Yes. Right. Yeah. And 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 for the reason I think of, we have to be careful here to say like, why would somebody want to be that kind of person? You know. Um, and I think it's because I, I I have intentions to to do good. I have like, there are holy causes and pur purposes that I want to help bring about. I'm thinking of two different stories. One of them is my friend who. Um, worked in DC and she went to the state of the union address and just talked about like in that marble room of, you know, and the judges walk in and, you know, da, 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 you know, and then like two weeks later, she said she went to um, general conference and she said, she walked, pre watched president Hinckley walk in and she said, she made a comment. <laughs> it was kind of funny. She just said, 
sitting in the State of the Union, she was like, they, it was the most powerful people in the world. But she said, but they didn't hold a candle to Hinckley and Co. That's, what, that's the way that she wrote it, you know, in the thing that she wrote. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. I wonder what you mean. And to me, it, it brings back a, a memory of um, a Christmas morning at my uh, G and Pom Pom's house. And wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> G and Pom Pom. That? That's my grandparents. G, Grandma G. We called her G. Was you she know, okay with that? Yes, yeah, she loved it. We okay. taught her to raise the roof and everything. This is years ago when that was a thing. Um, and pom pom, we just called it. It was pom pom. How? It, what? How was he? Why was he called pom pom? I think my sister like couldn't say grandpa when she was a little Aww. kid, so she was like pom pom. It's the cutest thing ever. It really is. And if anybody who knows pom pom, like hears me say his name, there actually is immediately a like a genuine like adoration and respect that right. happens like we were there christmas morning and we just at the chaos of the house and everything like that and everyone's opening up stuff and half the people are disappointed like you are because you're bratty on christmas and and like you're you know you're hungry and you're bubble whatever 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 huge family crammed in this little room and he could just stand up you know at five foot seven just short <laughs> guy and big old tummy that we would push our finger in and make him go hee hee like the pillsbury doughboy you know we made him do that and he would stand up. I remember one Christmas he stood up and he just said, I, I want to say something. And uh, everybody hushed down, you know? He stood up and he, uh, and he said, um, I want to say something. And everybody listened. And he just kind of said, like, look around. He's like, this is your family. And he's like, we got put into this family to take care of each other. So I want you to look around and I want you to make sure that you always take care of each other. And I still take that to heart. And to me, I'm just like, oh, he is like a picture image of what it looks like to have God's power. Yeah. How do you get that? Yeah. How do you get that kind of influence? You know, I, I think Elder Renlund's going to walk us through that, getting that kind of power. That We're not talking about power for the sake of control, but the power for the sake of love and influence. He starts off the talk with that river story. Oh yeah, the Amazon River. Break it down, Dave. It was so cool. Where he keeps he talks about the Amazon River that it just like was this. Um, there's this phenomenon that happens where when the sun and moon and whatever Earth all align together, like it causes some weird weather phenomenon where the Amazon River actually flows backwards. Hmm. So something funky happens. It's the most powerful, thickest, fullest river in the world, you know, and and. And it moves backwards. And like waves that are like 20 feet high will go like miles in the wrong direction. Wow. Backwards against the river. And he uses this line that he's just like, even the mighty Amazon has to succumb to the powers of heaven. Wow. You know, and it just kind of gives this image. And they have a name for it in Portuguese, I'm sure, or Spanish or somewhere, wherever it flows through. And it's just, um, I can't remember what it is. It sounds like La Roca, the... <laughs> soccer team <laughs> the amazon goes to brazil so yeah so like, it must be portuguese yeah. right but um he has a, a an oh the pororoca and or great roar because oh. the noise that it it makes and it's just like i want a t-shirt with that on yeah. <laughs> the pororoca <laughs> um but it's this idea of like wait even he talks about the amazon river as like being the flow of the world and people kind of just go with the flow and what about somebody who kind of stands against it and says like, no, we don't actually have to live selfish lives. 
We don't have to live like lustful lives. What if I push back against this natural flow of, of the earth, the gravity of mortality, and I, and I live differently? And, and that's the analogy he gives that we can. We can, be a, we can have, a, have a influence, a powerful influence in this world. Yeah, the reason why we don't have influence, the reason why we don't have power is because of sin. When people see our lack of character, then they don't trust us. They don't listen to us. They don't mm. want to hear what we have to say. And so what's the answer? Like, how do we actually get this kind of power? President Nelson, he says this. It's actually Elder Rinland quoting President Nelson. He says, President Russell M. Nelson taught us how to do this. He promised, quote, each person who makes covenants in baptismal fonts and in temples and keeps them has increased access to the power of Jesus Christ to lift us up above the pull of this fallen world. In other words, we can access the power of God, but only when we connect with him through sacred covenants. So covenants are both the pattern, they teach us the kind of character we should develop, but they also give us extra power, power we don't have the willpower to create, power from God to become the kinds of people who are a real force in this world for good. Yeah, in one sense, like we like to use this phrase a lot as a church, and he uses it, the covenant path. And he says it like this, the covenant path refers to a series of covenants whereby we come to Christ and connect to him. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's really, really important as because we are a covenant people and we participate in ceremonies where we enter into covenants, sometimes the ceremonies themselves can become more important than the covenants. Like, and the most important part of a covenant is who we are making it with. And so in our house, we actually call the covenant path the Jesus path. That's what we call it at our house because I want my kids to know like it's actually not about the promise. It's about the person that you make the promise with. And so in that sense, that's where that power comes from where it's like I'm inviting Jesus into the story. I'm inviting him into my life. I'm, when my kids get baptized, I, wanna, I tell them this is a pledge moment where you're, where you're basically saying I can't do life by myself. So I'm linking myself to God. That's what I'm doing. And that's what we do in baptism. And that's what we do in, in our temple covenants too, is we, we, we essentially are saying like, I want to do my life with Jesus. Like yeah. I want to do it together with him. I want to take up his lifestyle, his way of being. Right. And Elder Renlund, he does that. He says, look, uh, we enter this baptismal covenants and we keep them and we receive more power. And then he does something that we're starting to see the church do more and more is he actually talks and breaks down the five temple covenants that we make when we're endowed. He says, in the endowment, endowment, we covenant first to strive to keep the commandments of God. It's really clear why that would give us more power. If you're a liar, if you steal, right? if you covet stuff, you're not the kind of person that people will trust or, yeah. or ha you won't have influence. Right? Our character flaws are the very things that disrupt our relationships with God and with others. And so it's no wonder that that's first. Yeah, and it seems like all of those different, like what you were describing, like um, they're selfish, right? And mm -hmm. a person who's selfish is not going to be focused on um, like God's holy purposes because they're going to be thinking about their own. And it's like, well, of course you... You know, then you're just left to your own strength if it's all about you. So it's interesting that it's just like there is greater power and influence in, you know, connecting yourself with God in a holy purpose. And selfishness would go against that, yeah. right? Second, to repent with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That's the second thing we covenant in the temple. We covenant to sacrifice. 
and this connects with what you just said, when people are sacrificial, they're not sacrificing for the sake of it. And sometimes in the church uh, culture, we sacrifice uh, to be seen as someone who's sacrificial or to get the the validity that comes from seeing, see, I offer all this time and money, but the real reason why we sacrifice is to bless and benefit others. Yeah. And it just trains us that we're not the center of the universe, that there are other beings on this planet and most important, there's a God, and we make room for their wishes and desires too. So we sacrifice to help them reach their goals and desires. And what they what they want matters just as much as what we want as well. The third, he talks about that covenant to live the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and then he gives this really in, like comprehensive definition of that. He says, we do this by exercising faith in him making covenants with God as we receive the ordinances of salvation and exaltation, keeping those covenants through our lives and striving to live the two great commandments to love God and to love neighbor. And so uh, there's something interesting about that where it just is like, um, well, say what you were saying about that, like living in that security of Christ. Yeah, That's uh, a cool thought. So the word gospel, it actually means good news. And so often we hear the word gospel and we think of uh, principles and ordinances but faith, repentance, baptism, and the gift of the Holy Ghost are the first principles of the good news. Yeah, that's the way we live in the light of the good news. Yeah, and so when I the good news is, is that I have been accepted in Christ when I have faith, repent, and baptism, and when I live in that security uh, that I can only get from Christ, then it's so much easier easier to securely love others and to bless others. Unless we're okay with the, um, ourselves in the sense that we feel loved. Um, it's really difficult to actually live a life of influence and goodness, to love other people just for the sake of it. Other, otherwise, we love them to try to get something, to try right. to manipulate them. Right. But if if I'm just if I'm set free in Christ, then my love becomes authentic. Yeah, and you almost can like pinpoint people that you've met who are like that, where you're just like they just feel. And I know there's a talk I think later on coming called spiritual poise, but it's a word that I just want to use where you're just talk, you know, where someone's just like there is. Um, something refreshing about them where you're just like, you actually don't need me, you know? Like right. you're not trying to get anything out of me. You're genuine. Like I can tell you're genuinely, you know, concerned. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, it's like hard to almost pinpoint what it is, but for sure there is some, they live differently. You know, they've, Elder Renland seems to talk about two different things in the talk, right? Where just one of them is they're not bound down by pride and selfishness and lust, but they, and then in addition, they're free to like make, you know, make waves, you know, make a holy roar in this world. And it's interesting that like. The word we have for that is saints. Those yeah, are those kinds yeah, of people. Right? right. Yeah. So the fourth covenant, he says, we covenant forth to keep the law of chastity. And it's I was just thinking so about. Interesting. Yeah. This one's really interesting because. Of all the, of all the, you know, the, there's only five. Is that the one that you would guess is one of the five, you know, and you're sort of like. Like, why not don't lie? Right. right? Why, why don't steal? Of all of the things God set into motion to be temple covenants. Yeah. Chastity. Yeah. And one of them is like, part of it for me is this idea of like God's emphasizing fidelity, mm. like loyalty. It's like you, you've made certain promises and so be faithful to them. Like keep your word. But the other one is, is, God endowed every single one of us with like a, a really sacred power, powerful like abilities. And the law of chastity is one way that we control. We show that almost that, that we can handle something really powerful. 
Like I can, he's like, I can put something into your hands and I know that you could be reckless with it, but you have shown that you know how to, you know, keep it within bounds. Yeah. If you think about it, how much pain in this world is caused by people who break the law of chastity. It, this is not just one random commandment among others, but this is central to what it means to be a flourishing human is to be sexually responsible, mm. to keep the law of chastity as the Lord has defined it. And it can, if when we break that law, it leads to tremendous suffering for people. But when we uh, integrate it in a way that's healthy and fits well with our spirituality, then it becomes uh, a tremendous source of, of joy and love and blessing in our lives. Yeah. And then the fifth one is to dedicate ourselves and everything that the Lord blesses with us with to build up his church and, and the kingdom. And, and I think that's um, a way of just showing that I'm dedicated to a holy cause, something bigger than me, something like that I see is more expansive than just my own needs and my own wants to just like realize like, wait a second, if we all came together on, on something like we could, we could do a great work all together, but it actually requires every single one of us kind of almost submitting to a greater cause in order for that to work. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm reminded of the story of, um, Ammon with King Lamoni's father. And remember they, they meet each other in Alma and, King Lamoni's father is really hesitant about Lamoni being with Ammon and they have this interchange. And at one point Ammon has a sword and he's threatening King Lamoni's father. And he says, if, if you don't like let us get what we want to preach the gospel and set these people free, then there's then, and it's so interesting what King Lamoni's father says next. He says, because I see that your motives are to bless my son and this is all that you wanted, his heart softens. And one thing that you cannot hide is motive. People think they can, but if we live a life for self, it, it we won't have any influence. We won't have any mm. power in this world. Mm. But when people sense that, oh, my whole purpose is consecration, it's to build up God's kingdom, that's a trustworthy person. That's someone who sees things clearly and has good judgment. So motive is has to be, has to be number one on developing trust. And consecration gets at the heart of motive. That's awesome. Uh, he has this paragraph that might be, it, it, it's almost as if like, what does it look like to live, you know, in, in God's power? And he just says, by making and keeping temple covenants, or we would say that pattern of living, right? We learn more about the Lord's purposes. We receive a fullness of the Holy Ghost, whatever that means. Direction in our lives. We mature in discipleship. We live with eternal perspective. We're motivated to serve God and others. How many people wish they had motivation? You yeah, wake up yeah. and like, I wish I was motivated. Increased capacity to fulfill our purposes in mortality, protected from evil, power to resist temptation, power to repent when we stumble. I think that's all of the things. That's all the blessings, right? Right. There's just that list of just like, oh, this is what it looks like to live in that. What, what did we say? This that that the power and pattern of covenant living or the power and pattern of, of Jesus's lifestyle. Right. Dave, you had a C.S. Lewis quote. That's, oh my gosh. That's one of the best that illustrates uh, really well what Elder Renlund's trying to teach us here. What does it look like you guys when, when someone actually becomes the kind of person that naturally 
uh, invites respect and honor. That's real power. What's, what's it look like? Yeah. And um, Stefan is one of C.S. Lewis's disciples, and he didn't even know this quote. So on this, why I'm, did you point? Why would you say that? Because I'm one up in you, me. and I'm trying to lose my power of you influence. You have no influence on me. <laughs> <laughs> he said this. He calls those group of people the new men. Already the new men are dotted here and there all over the earth. Some, as I have admitted, are still hardly recognizable, but others can be recognized. Every now and then one meets them. Their very voices and faces are different from ours, stronger, quieter, happier, more radiant. They begin where most of us leave off. They are, I say, recognizable, but you must know what to look for. They don't draw attention to themselves. You tend to think that you're being kind to them when they are really being kind to you. They love you more than others do, but they need you less. They will usually seem to have a lot of time. You'll wonder where it comes from. And when you've recognized one of them, you'll recognize the next one much more easily. And I strongly suspect, but how should I know, that they're recognizable one another to one another immediately across every barrier of color, sex, class, age, and even of creeds. In that way, to become holy is rather like joining a secret society. To put it at the very lowest, it must be great fun. What? What? There's nothing. You can't top that. <laughs> <laughs> it it gives you a yearning to like, I, you know, that slacks my thirst. I want to live as one of those people. I want to have that kind of good influence in, in my closest circles and as much as I can in the world and and feel fulfilled doing God's wide. I mean, you think of the most influential person in the whole world, the Savior, like he walked into a room, like, and it's his humility, it's his sacrifice, it's his obedience, it's his, like, putting himself below every other holy cause. Like, that's what makes him really powerful, and that's what makes us so endeared, you know, to him. It it doesn't come from willpower, uh, although that might play a role, it comes from realizing how loved we are. That's that's mm-hmm. what transforms us, is, yeah. is that security in Christ. Ooh, that's revival, baby. Revived. Okay, see you next week.